And you know I'm in a new series, and the series title is actually My Disney Adventure with Ellie. I, I don't think anybody's ever preached a series like that, right? And last week, we learned about being unstuck or unfrozen when it comes to fear, dealing with fear in our life. And I want to encourage you to go back and watch that online. Uh, but today, we've got another story that we want to talk to you about. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, and it says, if I could speak all the languages on the earth and of angels but didn't have love or didn't love others, I would only be a noisy, a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Everybody say patient. Love is kind. Everybody say kind. Love is not jealous. It is not boastful. It is not proud. It is not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better not be irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Everybody say, love endures through every circumstance. So last week we talked about Frozen, but this week I have a, another movie we want to talk about today. How many of you have seen the movie Beauty and the Beast? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands if you've seen the one. How many of you have not seen the movie Beauty and the Beast? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. You need to get a life, brother. You need to get a life, brother. You need to take your wife to see that movie, all right? And don't fall asleep in the middle of the movie, all right? So now I need actually two couples I need two couples that have seen the movie together. All right, let me see your hands. If you have two couples and you want to, you want to, brother, you're not even married. What's up with that, brother? Like, you're like 10 years old, man. I love it. All right, so I need two couples. You've seen the movie and you want to volunteer for something. Let me see your hands. Two couples, two couples. Let me see. Okay, I got one couple right here. Come on up. Come on here, brother. All right, somebody else. Let's see, another couple. Anybody else? Anybody else want to volunteer? I mean, you're going to win a free car, a new, brand new car. Anybody? A, a couple. All right, any, another couple. We got another couple? All right, anybody? All right, so Carlos, have you seen the movie? Have you, come on, Carlos. Come on. Come on, Zimata. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Come on. All right. So, man, you guys are a tough crowd today. Come on up to the platform. Come on up. All right. And now we're going to ask you some questions. Give it up for these guys. Give it up. Come on. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. All right. Come on up. Come on up. Stand over here. We're going to ask you some questions. And if you get them right, you'll get a point. All right. Now, if, if you win. Now, see, you were so hesitant, Carlos. <laughs> but you're going to get this free packet of really good stuff. Will the movie again, watch it together, popcorn, all these great stuff in here, all right? So uh, give them it up for these guys again, one more time. All right, here we go, all right, all right. So here we go. So I'm gonna ask you the question now, when you know the answer, raise your hand as quick as you can, and the person who raises their hands as quick, as quick as they can and gives me the right answer gets a point. Are you ready? Why did Adam turn into a beast? There you go. Because he ignored the old lady, she wanted his help, and he said no. I think you got it. What do you think? What do you think? Got it? Got it. Woo! Carlos, what's going on here, brother? All right, fast. Really fast. She is fast. All right, where, and we got multiple choice, where did Bell work? Dunkin' Donuts? The library? The car wash? The Father's Bakery? The Father's Bakery. The fa how many say the Father's Bakery? One to one. This is pretty good. Not bad. Who tried to win Belle's heart and tried to kill the beast? Brother, you had your hand up. Wow. Who is it? What's his name? Gaston. Gaston. Is that right? All right. Okay. Two to one. Two to one. All right. Ready? What did the footstool turn back into at the end of the movie? A butler? No. The dog. Was it a dog? Yeah. Oh, I see. Wow. Three to one, dude. All right. Okay, 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 okay. 
At what birthday was the curse irreversible? 16, 21, 18, 40. At what birthday was the curse irreversible? 16 years old, 21 years old, 18, 40. 40. 40? 40? 18? 21. 21. There we go. Uh, please, guys, you can make it hard. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So we've got three to two, right? All right. I want the men to stand in the front, and this is good for two points. Are you ready? All right. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to ask each one of you to do this separately on the count of three. Roar like the beast. All right? Okay. You ready, Carlos? One, two, three. Roar! Are you ready? One, two, three. Roar! It is tie game. Tie game. One more question. Are you ready? Here it is. What age? No. no. How did Gaston die? Oh. <laughs> uh. oh, oh, he fell down the, like the cat thing. They were fighting, and he fell, and he was gone. Is that right? He fell down the Empire State Building? This is the winning team. Come on, give it up. Sorry, guys. Now, 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 now listen. If you guys are really good couple and dear people, have a one group with these guys and share the popcorn. Give it up for these guys. Come on, give it up for these guys. Thank you so much. Guys, God bless. God bless. And, and actually, this couple has just gotten married about a couple of months ago. So give it up for those guys. Okay. So, so beauty, how many? Five months? Yeah, but we actually saw that movie for the first time on our honeymoon. On their honeymoon. It don't get better than that, huh? Wow, you got to get a life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> beauty and the Beast, right? It's a movie of, about unconditional love. I mean, if you think about the movie, right? So the Beast... He becomes a beast because he's actually, he's a prince, but he's very self-centered. He's very selfish. And an old lady comes knocking on the door, and the old lady asks if she could stay the night. But he's so selfish and so self-centered, he closes the door. Before he does that, she gives him a rose. That rose has petals on it. And every time that petal falls off that rose, it's one year that he has uh, actually gone through being a beast. And at the 20, at his 20 first uh, birthday, if, if he doesn't find unconditional love, he is doomed to be a beast for the rest of his life. And we know the story continues on where Belle's father goes out and he trespasses, and as a result of that, the beast takes him into his castle, puts him in a dungeon, and he's cursed to be in that dungeon for the rest of his life. Why? Because the beast didn't want anybody to know that he existed, lest the guy would run back, say there was a beast, they'd come back and kill the beast. But Belle goes out to find her father, and he, she finds her father in the castle, and then Belle decides she's going to take the place of the father and have unconditional love, and the father is set free, and Belle is in the castle. During that time, Belle starts to fall in love with the beast, just like your wife fell in love with you, you beast, right? <laughs> and, and, and over the course of time, they fall in love with each other, and unconditional love wins out, and that's the end of the story. Now, I want you to know that no marriage starts that quick and ends that quick and ends that fast, happily ever after. But we want to talk today for a few moments about marriage. We want to talk about how we can have a happily ever after marriage. Pray with me if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would help us to have powerful relationships, Lord. God, that you would help us to have powerful marriages and homes, Lord. Father, I even pray for those today that have been divorced, oh God. I know that it must be so difficult, God, but this is not about condemnation. Lord, this is not about making people feel bad. Lord, it's about telling everyone what the Word of God says so that they can live life to the fullest. 
Lord, I pray for your mercy and your grace to be upon those that have gone through the pain of divorce, oh God. Bring healing in their lives, oh God. And God, let them walk in the light of your word today, Lord, going forward, Lord. And Lord, we ask, oh God, for those that are getting married, Lord, that they would see what your word says and understand that if they follow the principles found in your word, God, that they can have a strong, healthy, vibrant marriage. And Lord, I pray, oh God, for even young people today, God. Lord, I ask, oh God, that you would help them to see, Lord, that choosing the right person begins with making sure that that we love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, Lord God, and that we make you number one in our life. And I pray for all the married couples that are watching this via live stream and all the married couples in this church, Lord, that something would be said today, Lord, that they'll take it home. They'll remember for the rest of their life, God, something that will change the way they see marriage. Lord, I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I can speak in tongues of angels, know many languages, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm just, I'm making, he said, I'm making a bunch of noise. He said, I can have the greatest of faith to move mountains, but if I don't have love, then I'm making noise. He said, if I give away everything to the poor, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And when, and when it comes to marriage, we know that the one thing that can can, can transform our marriage is unconditional love. Now, I want you to know that some of the wives that came this afternoon, you heard that I was going to be speaking about this this afternoon, and so you brought your husband today because you're hoping that the beast in your husband will be transformed into the best man of all. But, and I want you to know that probably some of you are going to get a little mad at me because you're going to say, I tricked you. But I have to confess today that the truth is, is that, that all of us in this room have a beast within. And, and the problem with marriage so often is we're trying to change our spouse. We're trying to get our spouse to be what we want them to be. And we tend to look at the negative attributes in our spouse. We tend to look at the things that we want our spouse to be. But I've learned a long time ago that I cannot change my wife. I learned a long time ago that if I try to change my wife, that I'm just going to make her frustrated and I'm going to be frustrated. And I've also learned that every single one of us in this room, male or female, we all have a beast within And we all have to deal with the beast within. Paul the apostle tells us about this beast within. In fact, Jesus, when he comes to earth, one of the things, one of the reasons why they wanted to crucify Jesus is because he actually could see. He had x-ray vision to be able to see the beast in every man. And so he's looking at the religious leaders and he's seeing all that they do, all the pious acts, the religious acts that they are doing, and they're, and they're praying and they're, they're reading the scriptures and, and they're, they're making these long speeches and they've got these beautiful royal robes on of religion. And, uh, and he says to them, you are whitewashed sepulchers. He says, there's death on the inside. You're like a tomb and on the inside. You look good on the outside. You're whitewashed on the outside. Outside, but on the inside, you're full of evilness. You're full of, of adultery. You're full of wickedness on the inside. He says, you've got a beast on the inside that you've got to deal with. And now Paul the apostle, he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that there are things that he wants to do that he doesn't do. And there are things that he knows he should not do, but he keeps on doing it. And he cries out to the Lord. And he says, who will rescue me from this beast within? He says, who will rescue me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God that I find my rescue or I find my deliverance in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, so Paul the apostle is talking about the old flesh. He's talking about the way that we used to behave before we were born again. Now, when we're born again, when we ask Jesus into our life, he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And as a result of that, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are a creature. (laughs) We're creatures. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away and all things are made new. And Jesus said, unless the man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom of God. 
But Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans chapter 8, to be led by the flesh is death. To be led or living by the Spirit brings life and peace. So there are people who are are Christians that are carnal Christians. They're still thinking like the old man. They're They're still thinking like the sinful nature would make them to think. You know, a stronghold is a way of thinking that turns into a way of living in our life. And so Paul the Apostle says that I've got to die daily to myself. So Paul the Apostle tells us that the old man, the old nature, what is the old nature? It's the way that we thought when we were sinners. It's the way that we reacted when we were sinners. It's the way that we reacted when somebody hurt us. It's the way that we felt when we were sinners. It, it, the old nature actually, uh, actually uh, really directed everything in our life. See, Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have an old nature and we have a new nature. And the Bible says that old nature was crucified with Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6 says we were baptized with Christ into his death and we were resurrected to new life. I am, you are, a new creature, a new person in Jesus Christ. But the old habits, the old way of thinking... The old way of responding is always right there, and Paul the Apostle says we've got to learn each day to die to the old ways of thinking, the old ways of living. That's why Paul says we put off the old man or the old nature, and we put on the new nature. And and so we've got to recognize that every one of us, even though we're born again and we have a new nature, we've got to consider those things. He he says in in Romans chapter 6, he says, shall we? continue on sinning that grace may abound God forbid don't you know that you were baptized into his death raised to new life he says therefore consider your members consider your flesh consider the old man dead so that you might live a new life he says and don't let it master your life don't let the beast master your life why because whatever you feed is going to grow whatever you feed is going to be the dominant personality in your life so if you feed the flesh it's going to become a beast in your life that's why we've got to be careful about what we watch on tv what we listen to on the radio what we feed our mind why because our mind helps us to react in the way that christ wants us to react that's why he said in romans chapter 12 be therefore conformed or transformed by the renewing of your mind that word in the greek is metamorphosis or metamorpho it means like it's a caterpillar turning into a butterfly it's a total transformation and so paul the apostle says even though you're born again, even though the Holy Spirit lives in your, your life, you've got to think on those things that are pure and just and good. Why? Because whatever you feed your mind is going to come out of your mouth and your life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we feed on good things. And if you feed the flesh, it's going to be a beast. If you feed the spirit, it's going to dominate the flesh and you're going to live a life of peace and joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody help me out and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord. Yes, Lord. So what does this have to do with your marriage? Well, the truth of the matter is, is your marriage is never going to be strong until you stop changing your spouse, trying to get the beast out of your spouse, and you start dealing with the beast within. You've got to learn how to kill the beast within. You've got to take responsibility for yourself. You see, I had to learn how to take responsibility for me. I can't change my wife, but I can change me. I can't change my wife, but I can allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And too many people blame their spouse for the failure of their marriage instead of taking responsibility for themselves. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're not responsible for your spouse. You're responsible to you. You, You're responsible for you, and you will answer to God one day as how you responded, how you loved in your life. And so today, I want to give you some practical commandments of marriage, understanding what makes for a great marriage. Number one, I want you to know that love is not a feeling it's an action and when we get married we enter into a covenant not a contract and what's the difference between a covenant and a contract a contract is drawn up so that when you enter into that contract if the other party breaks the contract it lets you out of the contract but God never called us to enter into a contract with our spouse 
God called us to enter into a covenant with God and our spouse. I got married when I was 20 years old. I was really young when I got married. That was five years ago. And I I would really encourage you, (laughs) don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. I was way too young, and I had no idea what loving my wife really meant. And, but I did understand one thing as a Christian. I had really just gotten saved about a year and a half ago, and I understood covenant. And I remember getting married in this church right here. At, on this altar, I got married. I walked down the aisle, and everybody asked me, how come you weren't smiling, Steve? I didn't smile coming down the aisle. I didn't smile going out of the church. You know why? I was scared. I was really scared. And, and to be honest with you, I believe it was the most, one of the most sacred moments in my life. That was 34 years ago. Don't do the math. Don't even try. All right, please, do me a favor. It was 34 years ago that I got married. And I was really scared because I knew that I was making a lifelong commitment because I understood the power of a covenant. And a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is a vow. It's a promise that you make. And it's really not between you and your spouse first. First, it's between you and God. And the covenant says this, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health. We like the better. We don't like the worse. We like the in in health, but we don't like the sickness. We like the fact that when things are going well, we can stay engaged in the marriage. When, when things don't go so well, we start to treat our, our marriage like a contract and not a covenant. But when I stood before my wife, I said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, for pasta fazul, jerk chicken, curry goat, I gotta say all these things in this church now, arroz you know, for better, you know, it's a covenant that we're making forever and ever and ever. That's so, so critical in our life. And it's so critical in our marriage. Why? Because the truth is, we have to bring our A game to our marriage every day, and we have to give all to our marriage. Not part of our marriage, but all to our marriage. And and the truth is that there were religious leaders who come to Jesus one day and they say, Jesus, is there any reason, is there ever a reason why a man can get divorced? And, and back then, in those days, there was a reason that Moses gave. Moses gave them permission to get divorced because the Bible says their heart was so hardened that he gave them permission. But Jesus says, but that wasn't the way it was from the beginning. Jesus said, in the beginning, God created male and female. God created male and female. Let me say it again. God created male and female. Do you get the point? God created male and female, and the two shall become one flesh. And that's so powerful when we understand. I I remember an older couple who became a mentor couple to me and my wife, and I remember they showed me and my wife this illustration of becoming one flesh. And they took two, two lumps of Play-Doh, a, a blue lump and a, and a pink lump, and, and they actually took the lump of, uh, of two lumps of, of Play-Doh and they started mixing it together and working it together and molding it together and molding it together. And that blue and that pink turned into purple. And then they showed me, they said, you know, my, my mentor said, hey, Steve, when you get really angry, when you want to get divorced, when you want to leave your wife, it's, it's like you trying to pick apart that Play-Doh and taking your blue and taking it out of the, 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 the whole lump and, and, and going your way. He said, try to take the blue out of this Play-Doh now. Try to take the, you can't, why? Because now it's been molded into one. Listen to me, look at me. When you were married, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, when you stood before God, you were entering into a lifelong covenant with your spouse. And when God heard you say, I do, he took both of you and he brought you together and he made you one in spirit. He made you one in flesh. That's the act of sex. When we come together, it's an act of showing that we are one that you're having intimacy why because now into me you can see everything why because now you become one flesh with the person and you can't be pulled apart and so Jesus said what God has joined together let no man put asunder why because 
God put you together for life. And Paul, I don't hear a lot of amens in this room. Can't say amen, say oh me. That's why Paul the apostle, he says that when we get married, we're bound to that person until the person dies. Don't start thinking about getting them bumped off either. That we're one flesh. But that's, that's what makes the marriage so powerful. That's what makes the marriageable, marriage manageable, and that's what makes the, the marriage work is when we bring everything we have into the relationship and we realize that we are actually stuck together. I told my wife we were 20 years old and every once in a while we'd have an argument and we'd say, there's no way in the world we're getting divorced. Why? We can't get divorced. We're stuck together. And if I'm stuck with you and you're stuck with me, we might as well be happy. But it's, the, it's being stuck together that becomes the impetus. It becomes the power to say, listen, if I'm stuck with that person, then I want to be happy. I want to work on my marriage. I don't want to be unhappy for the rest of my life. So I got to go home and make it right. Why? Because I got to live with this person and I want to be happy in living with that person. You, you might say, but isn't there more to that than just being stuck? Oh, yes. But it starts with being stuck. Covenant is the glue. Covenant is the mortar. It's the concrete. It's the cement that brings us together to say, listen, I'm in this thing for the rest of my life. Man, I'm going to put everything I have into this relationship because I really do want to be blessed and I really do want to be happy. You know, if, if, if you were a businessman and I came to you and you had a million dollars in the bank, I always use this illustration, but I think it's powerful. And you had a million dollars in the bank and I said to you, listen, I've got this business proposition for you. Just give me $10,000 of that million Hey, listen, if the business works, you're, you're happy. If the business doesn't work, you, you cut your losses and you just, you just move on. Now, if I told you, take your million dollars, take everything you have, absolutely everything you have, and put it into the business, how hard would you work to make sure that that, that business succeeded? You'd work a lot harder. Why? Because you gave everything to it. When I got married, I gave everything to my wife. She gave everything she is to me, and now we are one flesh. And everything we have, we share together. Why? Because we put everything into it. Listen to me. Husband, you need to bring your age game home to your, your wife. Wife, you need to bring your A game to your husband. You need to give them your very best, not your leftovers. You need to give your very best to your marriage. Come on, somebody. You need to make a, an, an investment in your marriage. You need to give everything up and become one flesh. And so let me give you some, some commandments for marriage. Number one, thou shalt remove the word divorce from your vocabulary. We, talk, we, we, we made a commitment, my wife and I, that we're never going to ever get divorced. That's, that's not an option. You see, when you make divorce an option, you undermine the foundation of the marriage. If it's an option to you, you're going to find a reason why you can get out of this relationship. But see, when two people go into the marriage and they decide for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, we're staying together. When we remove that word from our vocabulary, from our mentality, it helps us to, to move forward and have a great marriage. See, Jesus tells us that we can't get divorced. He said, no one should get divorced. Now, I understand that there are some situations, and, and for the most part, I'm, most of the people that I'm talking to don't fit in this situation, but I understand if the guy's threatening your very life, and he's abusing you, and he's beating you, and he's threatening your children, get out of the house. Get out of the situation because he's going to kill you. I understand that. And I, you know, the Bible doesn't even speak about it because in, in my mind, that's common sense. Just get out of the situation because they're going to kill you. But Jesus says there's another reason why somebody can get divorced. And I know that when we look at this, we think to ourselves, well, you know what? It's, it's one act. No, 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 no. Jesus says a man or a woman should not get divorced unless one of the, one, one of the parties is unfaithful in, in, in they're committing adultery. And the word there is pornea, which means uh, sexual infidelity. And, and I want you to understand something about all of this. How many of you know today that we commit adultery against God all the time? And he forgives us over and over and over and over again. 
And so I, I, I want to suggest to you today that just because Jesus gave us permission to leave a situation or a marriage, he really is talking about repeated acts. A person who is so stubborn in his heart, so stubborn in her heart, and they keep on repeating acts of sexual immorality with someone else that, yes, it's permitted. You're not bound under that situation. But remember something. We are like Jesus. And Jesus tells us that we're to forgive. And so if our husband or our wife is truly repentant and they come back to us, then we need to really work through that situation and be like Jesus because Jesus is a redeemable God. He believes in redemption. He believes in healing. And I believe that God can work in situations. I've known so many marriages. I've known situations in couples where one of the parties committed adultery, but they were repentant of it, and they were able to go to counseling, and they were able to work through the situation, and, and God got the glory. Because, you know, see, God showed me something, men, really powerful this week, and it's found in John chapter 10. That's why as you read the scriptures over and over again, God shows you different things each time you read the scriptures. But in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says, and the good shepherd, he guards the gate and he will not allow any wolves into the pen lest the wolves would destroy the sheep. And God showed me a picture of marriage. And he showed me a picture of Ephesians chapter 5. Now, we love to, to, to hear Ephesians chapter 5. We love to learn a little bit more about marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, serve one another. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. And then he goes on, and we all love this, and he says, wives, submit to your husband in the Lord. And all the husbands say, amen. And, and, then, and, and, and then he goes on to say, and, and husbands, love your wives as the church. And all the wives go, amen. And I recognize something about John chapter 10 and Ephesians chapter 5, that God calls me as the husband to love my wife like a good shepherd. Because the Bible says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And God calls me to lay down my life for my wife. That I'm to love my wife in such an unconditional way that I'd be willing to lay down my very life for my wife. But listen, he goes on and he says, and the good shepherd protects the sheep from the wolves. He said, but a hireling, when the wolves come, he runs away and I thought of that picture, I saw a mental picture in my mind of all of the children that have been hurt by the wolves of this world because the shepherd left his post. You are the good shepherd husband, and you're the one who is to guard your family. And when you take off and you leave, that's why divorce is so painful for the children. That's why the Bible tells us in Malachi that God hates divorce. He said, because I was looking for a godly seed. And he was talking to the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. And he said, you left your post. And see, when you leave your post, you, you open up that gate in which the wolves can come in and destroy your children. And I know that you love your children. And that's why you love your wife. You love your God. You love your children. That's why you make a commitment. You stay with that commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for more, in sickness and in health. Divorce is not an option. Number two, write this down. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you want to have a healthy marriage, never, ever let the sun go down on your wrath. What does that mean? It means deal with the situation quickly. You know why? Because the Bible says if you let the sun go down on your wrath, you'll give the enemy a foothold in your relationship. Now, have you ever gotten really ticked off at somebody? How many of you have gotten annoyed at somebody? Let me see your hands. How many of you have gotten annoyed at me? Let me see your hands. I see that hand in the back. There's room at the cross for you. Have you ever gotten annoyed at somebody? And you've decided that you're not going to forgive that person instantly. You're going to hold on a little bit. Because we like to hold on to stuff, right? Every once in a while, we just want to hold on to that, that anger. Because we don't want to forgive. You know, there are times when I have an argument with my wife. And I know 
that the Lord is telling me, forgive her right now. There are times when she just gets me annoyed, you know, and, and, the, and the Lord says, just let it go and forgive her. But, you know, I just want to hold on for a little while, you know, just like for half a day. Let me hold on to that anger. No, Lord, I want to hold on to that. You know what happens when you're annoyed at somebody? You actually see all the negative in that person. Did you ever notice that? When you're ticked at somebody, they can do no good. All they do is bad. And you see it all. It's almost like you have like a, a new set of glasses on and now you see not the good that they do, but everything that they do wrong. You're looking at everything they're doing wrong. And guess what? It's kind of like a, a, legally, the enemy comes, the devil comes, and he says, did you see what she did? Oh, yeah, I did see what she did. And did you see what she said? Oh, yeah, I've seen what she said. And, and the enemy just keeps on building a case against your spouse until all of a sudden it's like you just blow up. Why? Because you were holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. I have met couples who have sat in my office, and they've told me, we're getting divorced. We can't get along. We hate each other. And I say, where did it start? And so often they'll tell me it started 20 years ago when he hurt me this way. See? You got to let it go quickly. In fact, Jesus says, when you have an argument, let it go quickly, unless the person that you're arguing with will take you to court and they're going to take everything you got. Doesn't that sound like divorce? Hmm. So let it go. Forgive the person who's hurt you. I want to ask you a question. Do you have any bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart? Because let me tell you, even if it's not toward your spouse, any bitterness in your heart will destroy all the other relationships around you. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And if we're not forgiving others, we can't receive the forgiveness of God in our life. And if we can't receive the forgiveness of God, we're not flowing in the grace of God. And if you're not flowing in the grace of God, you're contaminating everyone around you. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone in this room that's carrying unforgiveness and bitterness, God. Lord, that you would heal them of the hurt, restore them, and help them to recognize the only person they're hurting is themselves, their marriage, their children. And so we ask today, Lord, that you would touch them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Doubt shall not keep any records of wrong. So when you forgive you forget. Oh no, I forgave you, but I got it written down here. Just in case you do it again, I want to remind you of the things that you did. That's not forgiveness. When God forgives us, he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it again. We don't bring it back up again. You forget it. You don't think, okay, I'm going to hold on. You see, you're already undermining your relationship where you're holding on to something in case you're going to get into an argument again. See, you're undermining the relationship because there's no trust in the fact that your relationship's not going to have another one of those blowouts. Why? Because love believes all things. It hopes all things. It trusts all things. Love believes the best. So we keep no records of wrong. Let me give you another one. And it's really a powerful one. Thou shalt not live by feelings, but by faith. Thou shalt not live by feelings, but by faith. You see, faith is not a feeling. So, so when it comes to our marriage, we want to feel. We want to feel like we're in love. You know, when, when I got married to my wife, I wasn't really, I didn't understand what love was. I was infatuated with my wife. I was 20 years old. What did I know about love? You got to live a lifetime with somebody to understand what unconditional love really looks like. And I got to tell you, I'm so thankful for my wife over the years. And yeah, we need to pray for my wife. She's on her way to the funeral, funeral parlor right now, and I'm, I'm buzzing out of here in a few moments to go be with her. Man, it's just amazing when you have somebody that you love for a lifetime that you can lean hard on. When, when you go through the valleys of life, when you go through the difficulties of life, you have somebody that you can lean hard on. And you've seen all their faults, and they've seen all your faults, and you love them unconditionally. And let me tell you, love is not a feeling. It's an action. See, we, we, want, to, we want to do the right action because we feel a certain way. 
But see, we don't live by, Christians do not live by feelings. They live by faith. And faith is vision, and vision is a picture of a preferable future. So listen, there are many times you're not gonna feel like you're in love with your spouse. You're not gonna feel like loving your spouse. You're not gonna feel like you wanna be patient. You're not gonna feel like you wanna have self-control. You're not gonna feel like you wanna go the extra mile for your spouse, but you do it not because you feel it. You do it because you're gonna be obedient to God's word. And listen to me, feelings will follow the action. Come on, somebody. I said feelings will follow the action. Hey, if I do something For my wife that's kind, what's gonna happen? She's gonna have a kind feeling. And I'm gonna be the recipient of that kind feeling. See, we we communicate not because we feel like it, but because we know it's the right thing to do. Brother, listen to me. Listen, when you're watching the football game and your wife wants to talk to you, shut the TV off, look at her and communicate. Listen to me, look at me, Finney. It's gonna be a good night if you do that, hallelujah. (laughs) Feelings will follow the action. Come on, somebody. See, see, and and, and not only that, but, but we need to learn how to to serve one another. So the next commandment is thou shalt learn how to serve one another. Thou shalt learn how to serve one another. We love Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husband. Oh, we love that. The husbands love that. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. But did you know that Ephesians 5.21 says that we're to serve one another out of reverence for Christ? Like, like he, he's building this whole case of how we love each other and care about each other and submit to one another. But he says the first thing you need to have is a heart to serve your spouse, to serve one another. In fact, Jesus tells us that, that we are to be a servant, that, that, that we're actually to serve one another. We're to love people as we love ourselves. And Paul the Apostle tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that we're actually to walk in humility and consider our wives better than ourselves. Wow. We're to consider our husbands better than ourselves. That we're to serve one another. Here's the power of, of committing your life to serving your spouse. If you take two people and they're committed to serving one another, guess what? All of your needs get met. Because your husband is looking to serve you in the area that you have needs. Your wife is looking to serve you in the area that you have needs. Now, come on, I'm gonna make some people blush in this room, but the truth of the matter is is that we need to serve one another and meet each other's needs in every single way. That includes sex. That the Bible tells us that we're to actually understand that our bodies don't belong to ourselves, but it actually belongs to our spouse. And all the men are like, come on, I'm going to owe you something for this one after the service, Pastor. <laughs> come on, come on. But that we're to actually meet each other's needs. So your husband has sexual needs, you meet that. Your wife has emotional needs, you meet that. You know, hey, listen, don't be a beast. Don't demand your way and say, hey, I have this sexual need when you didn't want to talk to your wife all day long and you're going to treat her like a prostitute at the end of the evening. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on, come on. And all the women said, see, your your wife needs you to listen. Your wife needs you to pay attention. Your wife needs to hear, and you need to hear what's happening in her life. And you don't need to just try to fix it, because I know what you're trying to do when you try to fix it. You don't want to hear it. So you give her three easy steps to get it dealt with so that you can go on to watch the football game, and she knows all about that. She sees right through that. See, we're to serve one another. And you know what? This is what really absolutely makes me love my wife so much, is that she's always looking to serve me. She's always looking to see, what, what do I need? And she's blessing me and serving my needs, no matter what it is. And you know what? I'm reciprocating. And I'm going, okay, what does she need? Tonight, she needs a night off. Hello. (laughs) She needs a break. Tonight, she needs me to clean the dishes. 
Ah, you, you were thinking something else, weren't you? Then. <laughs> She needs a night off. She needs, she needs me to be able to be there for her. And you know, it's a beautiful thing when we stop being a selfish pig and we stop thinking about what we need and we start serving the other person. It becomes an incredible relationship. So my wife and I, we're in competition. And the competition is how can we outserve one another? And the feelings come. Lastly, as we close today, this afternoon, thou shalt daily rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. See, everything that I've told you today, listen to me, everything that I've told you today is impossible to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you might be saying today, there's no way in the world that I can forgive my husband. He hurt me so bad. Or maybe you might say, man, there's no way I can love my wife. I just can't handle it anymore. No, you can't. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus, Jesus said, you shall receive power. Dunamis in the Greek. He's not, he's not just talking about witnessing, going out on the street and sharing your faith. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. What is the hardest relationship you will ever have in your life? Your marriage. It's the hardest relationship you'll ever have in your life. But God says, I've not, leave, I've not left you alone. But I've sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the very thing that you can't do in your flesh by your own free will. I'm here to tell you today that if you decide, today you decide to obey God. You got baptized this morning, didn't you, this afternoon? And you're talking about your man. Yeah, give it up for this couple right here. Yeah, man. This is the second happiest day of your life and 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 man you hit it man you better get us some roses for that one buddy (laughs) the first one was the day that she got married and that that's awesome but the bible tells us the fruit of the spirit the fruit the characteristics of the spirit is love how many know that your marriage needs love unconditional love Beauty and the Beast, love saved the day. How many know that your marriage needs peace and joy? See, you never, listen to me, you're never going to find happiness through your spouse. You only find happiness through Jesus. And you take all of that that God is doing in your life and you bring 100% of yourself, you bring your A game to your marriage. You don't bring 50-50, you bring 100-100. God working in your life. God, the Bible says, for it is God who works within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You can't do it on your own, but you can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, all you need to say is, I'm willing, God. I'm willing to bring my A game to my marriage. I'm not going to wait for my husband, not going to wait for my wife to be what I want them to be. I'm going to be the person that you want me to be. I'm bringing my best to the marriage. I'm killing my beast, and I'm bringing my best to the marriage so that my marriage can be all that it was meant to be. Impossible, Pastor Steve. I can't live with the, the person. Hey, listen to me. All things are possible through Christ who gives us strength. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And... Um, I'm actually going to pop out in a minute and go be with my wife. Please pray for her. My father-in-law passed away on Tuesday morning at 6.30 in the morning. He lived in Florida. We lived here. My wife didn't get a chance to say goodbye to her papa, who she loves so, so dearly. So pray for her that God would give her strength on this day. But I'm going to go be by her side this afternoon and then I got to preach tonight to a lot of people who have never heard the gospel before in their life so pray for me that God is glorified through this difficult situation in our lives but I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment
You say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And before I can even work on my marriage, I've got to work on me. I've got to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need Jesus to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Would you pray for me, Pastor Steve? I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you right now. I just want to pray for you if you're here today. Raise your hand. I want to see it high. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. All over this place. Oh, God. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Hey, so we've got some information we want to give you. Give, give me some information right now. Give me a packet. Thank you so much. I want to give you this packet of information if you raised your hand. And um, it's a little, it's, it's a, the Gospel of John, but it's a really important book that I want to give you. It's called Rock Solid. And uh, it'll help you on your journey of faith. It'll help you to recognize that you can't earn your eternal life. You can't earn heaven. But you've got to receive that free gift of eternal life through, through Jesus Christ. And there are some folks that want to pray for you today. And we want to give you this information. So I'm going to pray for all the marriages in this room. And all the folks, even, maybe you're not married. Maybe you, you're going to get married. But you really want to make a commitment to God. You want to make a commitment that you're going to be the best. You're going to bring your A game to your marriage. I want you right now to say, yeah, I want to bring my A game to my relationships. I want to bring my A game to my marriage. Just raise your hand right now. That's you today. Keep your hands raised towards heaven. And let's pray this prayer of faith right now, this, this declaration, this vow that we're going to make before God. Come on, keep your hands extended towards heaven. And I want you to say with me, Father, thank you for loving me and forgiving me over and over and over again. Teach me how to forgive. Teach me to deal with my anger before the sun goes down. Dear Jesus, my good shepherd, teach me to love the way that you love. And Holy Spirit, I pray for your power. I pray for your anointing. Give me strength, Lord. When I get tired, when I get weary, when I feel like I cannot do it, empower me, Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for the relationships in my life. I vow to bring my A game, to be the very best, to kill the beast, so that I can be everything you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.